0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> Nahmaduhu wa ala rasulini al-kareem amma ba'd. Continuing with this discussion, of the book, Four Actions to Acquire the Friendship of Allah Ta'ala, sheik al-Arab wal-Ajam, arif Billah Hazrat Aqdas, Mawna, Shah, Hakim, Akhtar, Sahab, Rahmatullahi Alayhi. And as we mentioned several times, that this Hazrat is to present as... The experience of his 80 years. At that time, he was approximately 80 years or a little more. And that this is the experience of his lifetime. That person who sincerely takes on to these four things, inshallah, this is the road to Vilayat because everything else will be very easy. This comes in order, other things will come to in place very, very easily and very quickly. So the first thing was the beard, having a beard for one full fist, and the second was the aspect of keeping keeping the garments above the ankles. Then the third extremely important aspect which was discussed was the protecting of the gaze, looking after the gaze, not casting any haram glances, looking at anything haram. And then comes the fourth action, protecting the heart. So together with protecting the gaze, it is also necessary to protect the heart. Some people protect the gaze of the eyes, but do not protect the gaze of the heart. This means that they protect the eyes from casting lustful glances, but they do not protect the heart from thinking of beautiful faces, etc. By means of such thoughts and imaginations, they derive haram pleasure. What should, one should understand well that this is also haram. Allah Ta'ala declares, Allah Ta'ala knows the deception of the eyes and the secrets of the hearts. The eye is a direct highway to the heart. and They, they call it super highways in some places. This is beyond a super highway. The eye sees something and this is directly imprinted on the heart so this is the effect of the eye on the heart and this is the link in this ayat as well that both these things are mentioned alongside on the one side يَعْلَمُ al-ayun, Allah Ta'ala knows the deception of the eyes and together with that wama تُخْفِي Sudur, and what the hearts conceal because when the eye will see something then the heart starts picking that up Imprinting that, and then this heart moves in that thought and imagination. So Allah Taala is aware of all this. Allah Taala is aware of the haram pleasure that you derive in your heart. When Buzuruk states, "Choria anko ki or sino ke raz, janta hai tu ebe this is the meaning of that ayat that was just recited in a poetic couplet. That choria, anko ki or sino that whatever the eye is stealing, whatever the deception of the eye is, and the secrets of the heart, Allah, you know all this. See this something that is open to you. Nothing is hidden from you. It says it is not sinful if the previous sins come to mind. Come to mind is some thought just passed the mind. That's the waswasa of shaitan. Rather, it is sinful to bring these thoughts to mind. If an evil thought comes to mind, one will not be taken to task for it. However, when an evil thought comes, it is haram to thereafter entertain that thought by thinking further about it, or to deliberately think of the past sins and derive pleasure from it, or to plot committing a sin in the future sometimes a person Shaitan puts him in this thought and deception that I didn't get myself involved directly in any sin just in my mind so therefore I won't be accountable for this there are some technical details behind this at which stage a person will become accountable when it comes to a certain point of intention and that intention also will be accountable, depending on the technicalities involved there. So, that is in its place, that's a technical discussion, it's an academic discussion. But even if it is not on that level, which technically speaking, a person now becomes accountable, the thing is when a person will deliberately entertain the thoughts of sin in his heart. It will affect the heart very drastically when a person will entertain the thoughts of sin example of that is like person is out or normal example that is taken where if you put butter close to the fire you're going to put butter close to the fire very soon it's going to be melting away So it is impossible to have that butter close to the fire and still expect it to be that as it came out of the freezer frozen that it's going to remain like that. It's not going to remain like that. Now this is a fire that is being put into the heart. So that heart might have come out of etkaf, it might have come out of Jamaat, it might have come out from khanka, it might have come out from whatever other good environment, and as a result it came out in a condition that it is very, very inclined towards righteousness came out in a condition that it is very, very enthusiastic to do amal. So mashallah, this is the coolness that came in due to the good environment, due to the good amal the person was involved in. But now when he starts entertaining this thought of sin, so he's lighting a fire inside. Now that he's lighting a fire, is going to start melting. (coughs) And this fire will then burn beyond just the heart it will finally start getting the limbs into conformance with the heart's thoughts because the heart is king in the hadith nabi sallallahu says in inna fil jasadi la idha wa idha fasadat that in the body is a limb is an organ That if it is in order, the rest of the body will be in order. If this organ gets corrupted, the rest of the body will get corrupted. If this organ gets corrupted, then the rest of the body will get corrupted. Allah, that's the heart. Physically, also this applies. Physically, also, if a person's heart is in a problem then his whole body is in a problem. Because the heart is the king. The heart controls everything. If that heart is not pumping right, then his whole body is going to be ill. His legs are fine, his hands are fine, but he still won't be able to walk, he can't carry anything, because that heart is not carrying the load. So physically also this applies. Spiritually it applies to a greater extent. Spiritually, if that heart is corrupted, then that's the king. The king, whatever commands the king gives, the subjects follow. So all the limbs are the subjects. The king is the heart. So now, when a person starts entertaining thoughts of sin, he is corrupting the king. Though it might just be something in his mind that is just a passing thing, just passing time. He is involving himself in some fantasizing and whatever else. But this is lighting a fire. And this fire is going to start burning and in time that is going to start affecting his whole conduct his behavior many a times it happens that a person sometimes uh, says I just suddenly slipped into it but after the delving into it deeper he says well this was something I should keep just involving myself in these thoughts so it wasn't sudden that wasn't sudden that was just the culmination where the person slipped and fell was just the culmination. But he had started the process long ago. He had started the journey to fall long ago in his mind and heart. So now it became very, he was already on the edge. It just required some little, just one nudge of shaitan to fall. But a person who keeps his heart and mind clean, so now he's far away from the edge. So to get him to that brink and throw him off the cliff, he's going to have to be dragged from far away. Which inshallah, by the time shaitan gets to that point of dragging him, he'll turn to Allah Ta'ala and realize what's the folly and where he's heading to and make toba before that. So this is the harm and the, the consequences of not looking after the heart and mind. That a person now is already bringing himself on the edge of that cliff. Slightest nudge, just his eye fell on something, he's gone. By mistake his eye fell on something, he's opened the internet for whatever else, some uh, valid purpose, for some uh, permissible work, and by mistake something popped up. Every other person now and then comes up with this kind of thing, that I went totally without any wrong intention onto the internet or whatever else, and then out of the blue something happened, And I just got washed away. So how you got just washed away just like that? Washed away is a small little child sitting on the shore, and maybe a wave comes and washes him away. Big wrestler like you, how you got washed away. So it wasn't that you just got washed away, we were already floating to some point. So now when that wave came, we already were deep inside. But to some extent we were floating. But now when that wave came, suddenly it is down the person. So this starts off all in the mind and heart. And therefore this is the <laughs> importance of always keeping the heart and mind clean. So this is what Hazrat is explaining here, that however when an evil thought comes, it is haram to thereafter entertain the thought by thinking further about it, or to deliberately think of the past sins and derive pleasure from it. Or to plot committing a sin in the future these aspects will incur the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. another severe harm of thinking of evil is that the desire to commit sins is intensified this is a fire that a person has lit now and sins I fire so now he's lit the fire already so this desire to commit sins is intensified as a result there is a grave danger that one will become physically involved in sin. The way to understand it also is this that when a person starts, the heart now, for example, in Ramadan, person is in Atikaf, person has been fasting, he's been making Tilaw of the Quran Sharif, he's been doing so many amal. So the heart gets strengthened. So a strong heart now can withstand these attacks of nafs and shaitan with the help of Allah but when he starts entertaining all these evil thoughts even if it is technically speaking not on the level of where he will be taken to task for it technically speaking this is an academic discussion it is not necessary for us to go into that but technically speaking if it is not yet to that level but he is deliberately entertaining these thoughts now this heart that was strengthened this is now being weakened it's like a, some virus, but which not, has not yet shown its symptoms. So sometimes a person, that virus might come and go away also. And it might not even, he might not be aware also that he was affected by that virus because it was on a very low level, but it starts weakening. But when that weakness reaches a point, only then he realizes that this has now affected me. So it didn't start affecting him at the end point. It started affecting him from the time it's the very first effect of that virus started coming in. So these thoughts are that virus. Now it's already weakening that heart. But he immediately won't sense it. Like a person misses his mamulad, for example. He misses his zikr for the day. Misses his tasbihad. Misses his tilawat for the day. So he immediately won't notice the negative impact of that a person skipped one meal he skipped lunch he got too busy or whatever something got delayed so he skipped lunch he survives quite fine he's still as healthy as ever he's still as strong as ever he might just feel some little bit hunger only and by supper time he's fine so he doesn't notice that anything happened though it happened but he skips the second meal and then he skips the third meal By the next morning and the next afternoon, now he will be very quite weak. And if another whole day just goes by without eating, he'll have a problem walking. And then he'll be on the he won't be able to wake up from his bed. But that weakness didn't start start on the third day. That weakness started when he skipped the first meal. But it wasn't apparent at that time. It didn't become visibly perceived. So likewise, that first day he missed that mamulat, he missed that zikr, tasbihat, already some spiritual weakness set in. But it's not immediately noticeable. But By the second day, it has increased. And now there will be something that he's noticing. That, that I which was, mashallah, under control, what's happening now? Why are these thoughts now, I'm not able to get it out of my heart or turn my mind away? How come I'm entertaining this? why am I now inclined towards going to read something which is not right? Or going to some place which is not right? He'll, that is, if that conscious consciousness is there, then he'll start wondering why is this happening? Otherwise, he will just continue in that manner. And he won't even wonder why is happening. So, this is the thing here, that these thoughts not looking after the heart, starts weakening that heart. The weak heart is prone to all the viruses. And all the Whatever sicknesses are there, very easily will attack a weak heart. So in before a person knows it, now his heart is headlong into all the evils and vices and he is falling into it himself. So Allah Ta'ala has therefore this is the reason why the eye has been lowered. So that if the door to the heart is closed to evil, then the heart will be protected. this is the doorway to the heart this has been already shut up beforehand so that this doesn't become the means of the heart getting corrupted so this is what is being explained here that another severe harm of thinking of evil is that the desire to commit sins is intensified as a result there is a grave danger that one will become physically involved in sin. May Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us from all these haram actions by the barakah of being protected from these sins it will inshallah become easy to remain safe from all other sins many a times people inquire about this that a person has made some mistake now in the past and these thoughts still haunt him, now he's sincerely trying to move out of this is sincerely trying to overcome this but these thoughts of the past keep haunting him haunting him in the sense that it keeps coming back and as a result now his heart and mind is in turmoil and he, his ibadat is affected he cannot seem to focus correctly So, how does he overcome this so this requires some dedicated effort and some Himmat where this the issue at hand we're talking about in particular is where a person has fallen into some illicit relationships and now he's made toba from that alhamdulillah but this is still repeatedly coming to mind and that temptation is still there it is still dragging him in the same direction how does he overcome this so the simple prescription of this is again that same muraqaba of moth that we are talking about every evening that discussion we have every evening that same muraqaba of moth is the prescription but in a little different format one is the murakaba of one's own death, as we discuss every night. So that too is very important and very effective, provided the person is doing it diligently. This muraqaba sounds very, very minor, almost insignificant, because it's a matter of now meditating properly for, sometimes the prescription is for somebody for two minutes, one minute, three minutes, so when something is very easy, we tend to take it for granted. When something is very difficult, we say, yeah, this is very good. One person was working for some company. It's late. So one day, I happened to be there for some other work. So we were in school together. So now he started showing me around. He was just working there. He was employed there. So... manufacturing some whatever items it was so he told me he's showing me something look at this we manufactured it for whatever it was this is now 15 20 years ago's incident coming to mind so i can't remember the details of it but whatever item it was he says we manufactured this and it cost us whatever and we were we put it on the market for five rands it wasn't selling now it was very cheap for that price it's a good item Something useful, but it's not selling. So he says, We call the marketing consultants in. So, whatever they looked at and so on, then they told us, Okay, you do this. There's one small little label you make first. So, that label costs five cents because now it was made in bulk. So, now at that time, that label was five cents. So, now it was five rands, marked five rands, and now five rand, five cents now. He says, then you mark it up to ten rands now. You put this on label and mark it up to 10 rands. Now the item was being sold for 5 Rand it's not selling. Nobody wants to buy. It. And he's saying, we'll make it 10 rands. Sell it for 10 rands. So he says, we marked it up for 10 rands, he started selling. <laughs> now this is the gimmicks with which they fool us. On this note, something unrelated is coming to mind, but which we discussed perhaps one, two years ago, on this gimmicks and how for the benefit of those who heard it and those who didn't hear it, the brand labels which are used to make people's minds turn and it manipulates a person to think that he's now someone, whatever the case is. So just on that note some years back, one day looking up something That where does this, everybody is very fascinated with this Adidas. So where does this come from? So this Adidas is actually that person who brought this brand out, his name. He was some German, so his first name was Adolf. But he was among his friends known as Adi. So that was the first half, that was his nickname so to say. And the second half was the first alphabets of his surname, Dassel something, whatever it was. So this he put together, and he made this brand. So one person who deals with this kind of market, so he himself told me that they manufacture now not necessarily for this company, but for the same similar kind of labels and so on. So they manufacture that garment. See, so they manufacture that garment. This was 10 years ago. At that time, he told me for 50 rands. So for 50 rands, they manufacture that garment. It's ready, done, complete. They sell that garment on order they manufactured it according to the specification of the customer. The customer is who? The customer is this brand owner. They sell it off to that brand owner at that price, 50 rands. They then, whoever they use to do it, they put their logo on, for another 5 rands so now it's 55 rands and then they sell it to the concept stores first time I heard that word at that time I wasn't aware of that concept <laughs> so they sell it to the concept stores thereafter for 250 rands and the concept stores sell it to people who know this concept for 450 rands now, which where it started off from if that garment now that's a manufactured garment from in a factory ready to be sold to a retailer. So, under normal circumstances, without all these brands and so on, he is ready to sell it at 50 rand. Maybe you sold it at 60 rand too. That retailer made 100% profit, he'll sell it 120 rands. If he makes 100% profit also, he'll sell it at 120 rands. And now he's being sold at how much? 450 rands for what? For that label. So once while talking to some youngsters in the madrasa, the students, so the same topic came up. So the hip students, sometimes we have a discussion with them, so the same topic came up. So in the process, I said, people normally, when they buy this, they spend all this money. So when you ask a person, but why are you buying this particular product, buy something else, so he'll tell you, no, the quality is very good. Because there's always some tawin, some interpretation, some excuse of the nafs. They say, no, the quality of this is very good. He said, okay, very well. Let's do this. That whatever this quality is, the exact quality. Forget the exact quality, better quality. And the design and everything exactly the same. The quality better, the design exactly the same. And everything else perfect. Only one difference. The difference is that this person was this German, he put his name there, Adidas. But the one that I will give you is, and and the other very important part of it is, this is 450 rand. The one that now we are presenting to you is 50 rands. So 450 rands, this is 50 rands. And this quality is better also. The only difference is that this now is Adidas. This was made in India and he put his name there, Marimutu. <laughs> <laughs> so now, which one you going to wear? So he says, No, we don't want Marimutu. <laughs> so, because this has become a brand, but the point is that if someday suddenly this brand takes off, you'll find everybody wearing Marimutu. Many a times, something just takes off because some star, whoever, some sports icon, he wore something or did something, but that becomes it. Whereas before he did it, if somebody else was told to do that, his reaction would be that you think I'm gone mad. For example, you tell him, shave his head on three sides and leave the center sticking high up. So he'll say that you think what I'm a few cents short or something. So that is what he would have said. And 100% he would have said that if nobody else was doing it. It wasn't become, hadn't become some kind of fashion statement. But after it became a fashion statement, it is still just as insane to do it. But he's doing it. So this is all the way that this mind is manipulated just in order to get that money out of somebody's pocket. That's the bottom line of it all. So these are things that are The advertising industry, it's advertising, but at the top of the advertising industry are people with PhDs in psychology. They should have been having PhDs in marketing maybe. What is a person with a PhD in psychology being employed at the top of these major advertising companies? Because psychology is used... Well, abused or used or misused, or whatever you want to say, of how to manipulate the mind, turn the mind around of a person to get him to start doing what you want him to do. So now you want him to buy a product, how you going to fool him into and convince him that this is the thing you need? So now you've got to manipulate the mind for that. So like this thing, somewhere we digress from, that, that item was five rands, and they were happy to sell it for 5 rands, but nobody's buying. So now that little marketing gimmick, that now put that label there, make it look very expensive. Make it look something better. And now sell it for a higher price. So because now there is a higher price on it, it seems it's good. When there was a lower price, it couldn't have been good. We digress from this point, that often, when something is simple and easy, we take it for granted, that this, this can't be too effective. It can't be too beneficial good it's a nice thing but one of those things and when something is very difficult then we say well okay this is something very good but it's too difficult for me it is very good it must be excellent because it's so difficult but it's too difficult for me so I can't do this too and that doesn't mean anything because it's so simple whereas these simple things sometimes are very very effective but there are two things important in this one is it's done correctly and the other is it's done regularly with punctuality, diligently. Person, any doctor gives him some antibiotics, he tells him, complete the cause. He says, No, I'll take one today, then after a few days, I'll decide to take another one. It's not gonna give you the benefit you want. You want the benefit? Number one, you take it. You take it on time. Eight hourly, then you take it eight hourly. And then you take it for ten days. So by the time that 10 days has now it's not yet ten days, it's still the seventh day, you are already feeling the difference. By the ninth day you feel that there's no need to take it further. But he'll tell you complete the cause, because there's still some remnants of it left, of that virus left, we need to complete the cause to kill it off. So there's these two conditions, that it's number one, done correctly, it's done properly. And number two, it is done with diligence. That if it is prescribed to be done three minutes, three, four times a day, then it is done accordingly. And if it's meant to be done for ten days, or then a person is doing it every day for ten days. So whatever it is, that muraqabah is a very simple thing. But it's very deep. The example of the muraqabah that our Kabir gave. Previously, nowadays, Allah knows best if there's any of these clocks still existing, the old clocks that were manually keyed. So you had to key it. And even wristwatches also had a little key, it had to be keyed manually. So that keying process used to take half a minute. Half a minute's time a person has keyed that. After keying it for half a minute, it will run for 24 hours. So now half a minute's work, the effect of it lasted for 24 hours. How difficult is it to keep for half a half a minute? But some things which are so simple that it takes half a minute to do, the effect will last for 24 hours. So this is the muraqaba Provided again with those two conditions, it's done correctly. Person is doing that muraqaba Murakaba is meditation. It means deeply pondering over something. So one is a casual thought. The person is reading something too and he's trying to think of what he's supposed to He's making muraqabah. Or he's looking at his phone and he says, well, now I've got to make my muraqabah also. I'd rather just read my messages at the same time. So that is not going to help. It needs dedicated time. And three minutes of dedicated time, what is really three minutes? So that muraqabah, when it's done in that manner, inshallah, in a very short while, a person will see the effects and benefit of it. So this muraqabah, We started discussing on this point that many a person has this issue. Alhamdulillah, he has made tawbah, but this still keeps bogging him down, still keeps coming to mind. So one is, as we said, the muraqaba of moth of one's own death. To imagine the whole scene of one's death. These are my last moments. I've now left this dunya and imagine the scene around one at that time. That too will have an impact on one's heart if we genuinely bring this picture to mind. And then all the things that continue thereafter a person being given ghusal, imagine that whole scene. The person lying there in the midst of whoever is sitting around him in his kafan, totally unable to do anything, to say anything, and lifeless, he's lying there. Now he's being carried, his janaza salah is being performed. He's being lowered into the grave. He can feel the cold floor of that grave under him. All this is possible to feel in the mind. And then he can feel the darkness of the grave closing onto him. As those planks are being put into place. And then in the ear of his heart he can hear the sand falling on those planks. And now he's alone in his cover. Now he's going to have to answer for all his deeds. So to sit and ponder over this, to meditate over it, to let it get absorbed into the heart. So this is one muraqaba that must be made daily, at least once a day, even if it's just for two minutes. But this is one muraqaba which is very important. But together with that, for this particular issue, there's a further muraqaba. And in the initial stages, until this starts clearing out of the heart it should be done at least 4-5 or times a day at intervals morning, then after every salah, 2-3 minutes and the muraqaba is that that whichever person is now repeatedly coming to mind and bogging one's process progress down then to imagine the death of that person This person has just suddenly dropped dead. So now, she's just suddenly dropped dead. What happens after a person dies? But now we're going to fast forward that whole process. She's just suddenly dropped dead. In the next instant, the whole body has blown up, totally disfigured. This is all what happens eventually in the cover. And in the third instant, this body has burst open. And when a body... That's also something that eventually happens in the kabar. This body has burst open. And everything is now lying all over the place. Blood and pus and pieces of flesh. And the stench is overwhelming. The stench a person says and is thinking about it. What stench is going to get? That stench in the mind can be felt. The stench is overwhelming. And this huge green... Dirty flies buzzing all over. And that stench is such and it's so overwhelming that he, in that process, is standing there, it's making him start spewing violently. He's absorbing this whole scene. So, that one moment that picture came to mind, immediately he killed that picture and he brought it to this end. And Then addressing himself, this is the end result, is this what you are lusting after? And is this what you want to fall behind? This is what's going to become the end result in the cover. Now outwardly it might just seem something in passing, many a person sometimes is prescribed this, come back to say, I just can't do it, it's too painful. Now this is Shaitan and Nafs, now why is it painful? because this is cutting it out from the root and he's still not though he's made toba he's not ready or doesn't want to let go so that is why he's finding it painful to do it So or if he is finding it painful to do it, he doesn't want to do it but an operation, who said that an operation feels very nice like somebody passing the hand nicely and patting somebody, like somebody is being lulled off to sleep, an operation is an operation, an operation requires cutting through and a person pays for that operation. Sometimes he pays hundreds of thousands of rands. So an operation is an operation. And depending on how deep the problem is, it is going to be painful. But a person who is genuine, who is sincere, who wants to get to Allah, Ta'ala, who wants to clean his heart of that filth and whatever else is there, of that haram, and as long as he keeps giving place to that haram, as the example we discussed, that when a person wants to pour something pure into a utensil into some container the first thing he does is looks inside what dirt is there he needs to rinse this out and if he can't see any dirt too he still is making double sure. he still rinses it out so the love of allah Ta'ala is pure and that love will come in a pure heart so we have to keep purifying it and especially if a person deliberately is entertaining that filth, deliberately is entertaining that haram, one is that now he's made Tawbah, there's still some things affecting him, but he's sincerely moving forward. Inshallah, that effort of his will, will cleanse that heart out. But he is not prepared to let this go out. He doesn't want to rinse it out. He doesn't want to clean this out. Then the love of Allah Ta'ala cannot come in such a place. And it will just be things on the surface. But that surface then the slightest one gust of wind comes and it blows everything out, because on the surface. So this murakaba, this whole scene in a very deep manner, just for one, two minutes, one and a half, two minutes, but at intervals, four, five times a day initially, at least for maybe ten days, two weeks, until one feels that this has now died off to a point then too, for a period of time, at least once or twice a day, it should still continue. At least 40 days. And alhamdulillah, many people then found that this totally cleansed out of their system. It created a kind of negative feeling if that thought ever came back. So, this is the importance of always keeping that heart clean. Because if this is going to be kept in one corner somewhere, a person may tawbah, but he doesn't want to get this out of his system. It's still there in one corner. So, something in the corner will pop its head out anytime. And then, just one, by chance, one message will come. But that one message will just just wash him away. Now, he had, if he's genuine, he's sincere, then he will block everything. He won't allow any messages to come in. But by chance, also now, a message came away, and the person says, Well, that one message came, and I got carried away. made toba and everything and totally resolved not to go into this again but then that one message just slipped in so you allowed it to slip in but then apart from allowing it to slip in was this done to cleanse this out of the heart So when this was cleansed out of the heart then that message will become a pain then that message will bring aversion what is wrong with this person still trying to trap me in the trap of shaitan but if that is still being kept in some corner of the heart then immediately it will connect with that message and then that once the call is through now that line is connected then one thing will lead to another so this is the heart which we are talking about which is king and to the extent that a person will protect his heart then in the light of this hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu saluhat saluhal that kullu. that is why the mashaykh makes so much of Effort and place so much of emphasis on the heart. This zikr and tasbihat, it's all the heart. Allah bi zikrillahi nul quloob With the zikr of Allah ta'ala, do the hearts get peace. The zikr, the essence of zikr is obedience. But by means of this verbal zikr, what is meant to be achieved or what is aspired for is the purification of the heart and when the heart is purified then the body will come into obedience which is the essence of zikr that is the object of zikr so the real zikr is the obedience of Allah the person who is obedient to Allah Ta'ala, is in the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. but the verbal zikr is essential to bring that consciousness into the heart The heart now accepts this, takes it on, then the rest of the body will submit into obedience of Allah. So, all this comes back to the heart. This regular zikr, the tasbihat, these muraqabas outwardly it might seem something on the surface, but it has a very deep impact and effect. And when we miss it, so now the person is skipping a meal, so now that weakness is going to start setting, and one day he won't notice anything, two days he won't notice anything, in time. then just overwhelms him so this is the effort that we have to make the four things that we discussed here the first was the beard that a beard for one full fist length and keeping our garments above the ankles at all times when walking etc standing and the third very important aspect was the gaze looking after the gaze from any haram and the fourth is the aspect of looking after the heart if a person looks after his heart looks after his gaze, the heart will be protected. And he looks after his heart, and inshallah everything will be protected. And in this way he'll be saved from all the attacks of nafs and shaitan. Obviously, together with all this, what is very essential is daily dua, begging Allah Ta'ala's help. That not, none of these things will ever be possible without the help of Allah Ta'ala. If we expect we're going to do something on our own accord, then we are Going to be doomed to failure. We can never achieve anything on our own accord. Allah Ta'ala wants that effort from us, but when a person makes that little effort, Allah Ta'ala opens the door for him. So we have to make the effort, and that effort has to be coupled with du'a. Begging Allah Ta'ala's help for his assistance and his protection as well. Allah Ta'ala give us tafiq and enable us to practice on all these things, inshaAllah. Subhanallah bihamni, subhanahu Allahumma biha, mashadulla idaha